truly, truly, I say to you, the Son, Jesus, can do nothing of his own account, but only what he sees the Father doing, for whatever the Father does, the Son does. Thomas says, show us the Father. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. I and the Father are one. You're listening to Mountain View Church Audio. My name's Jeremy, and I'm a local pastor here in Whitehorse, Yukon Territory. Each week, we bring you a fresh message designed to help you encounter Jesus through biblical instruction. You don't have to know anything about the Bible. We're just glad you're here. It's a privilege to come and share with you this morning. And we've had guest speakers here before. And I got the message on email from Jeremy who said, you know, uh, it's good for, good for us to have different speakers with different speaking styles and teaching and so on, and, which it probably is. But most of you don't know how different it's going to get. <laughs> so we'll see. How it brings. Now, as you notice, that I'm an old, old fellow. And I'm also old-fashioned. And being old-fashioned, I haven't cottoned on to a lot of the technological stuff that we have today. And so, uh, Jeremy would have his sermon notes on there, his everything. Uh, you won't see that up there. You may see the passage that uh, is chosen for today, but believe it or not, under your seats are these things. It's called the Bible. And if you want to follow along, you can grab one of those and uh, follow along. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we had a guest speaker, and he's on the sound today, and... He preached on greatness. And we found out that greatness, we all try to attain greatness, but greatness comes when we're willing to become small, take the lower seats, and so on. Jeremy, our pastor Jeremy, spoke on the rich young ruler last week. And he's, again, we found out that, hey, if you want to follow Jesus, you have to be willing to give up that's what most near to your heart, which is most precious. Are you willing to part with it and to follow Jesus? And there's a conflict. Today, we're going to look at another conflict. We're going to look at chapter 11 of Mark. And... In chapter 11, which, uh, by the way, how many of you get emails from the church which say, hey, and, uh, and the email says, you know, chapter 11 is next week. Make sure you read it beforehand, uh, which you've all done. And we'll go through it. Now, there are several events which happened in chapter 11. Uh, 
The events are, first of all, the triumphal entry. Now, most of us have heard about the triumphal entry. This is where Jesus rides into Jerusalem. And the people get all excited. They throw palm branches and their coats on the ground, and he rides over them, and the people holler, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Blessing is the coming kingdom of, of, our, of David. Hosanna in the highest. And they shout this. Everybody was totally aware of it. There was, was a great crowd there. And within the crowd, not only disciples and followers of Christ, but there was the rulers of the people, the Pharisees and the priests and the scribes were there as well. And I'm 100% sure that there was Roman soldiers all over the place taking it in as well. Next thing that happened, that Jesus rode into Jerusalem, he goes into the temple and takes a look around. And notices all things that are happening there, it says. Then he goes, evening comes, and he goes to Bethany, and he probably stayed at uh, Martha and Mary's place. And Lazarus, who is still alive, or alive again, let's put it this way, and we find him there, and the next day he goes out, and he sees a fig tree. He noticed the leaves on it, but no figs. So it says that he curses the fig tree. He says, let no fruit grow on you from now on, or let no one eat food from you from now on on. And he went on into the temple, into Jerusalem, and into the temple. Now, have you ever heard anything about the temple? The temple was a massive place. It wasn't, you know, a building like this. It had courtyards all around it. And it had, yes, a beautiful building. It took Solomon seven years in building it. It was a beautiful temple. This wasn't the same temple. That temple got destroyed, but they tried to replace it. And the temple itself contained the holy place. And then the holy of holies, where God himself dwelt among his people. And... Jesus entered, saw all the things that were going on there in the temple courtyard, because the courtyard is where the people first of all met. And then they went through another court and finally to the altar where they did their offerings and so on. So, that's what happened there. Then he comes to the temple and it says the next time he goes to Jerusalem, he cleans the temple. He begins to drive out people. It says he, those that bought and sold, those that exchanged money, and those that sold pigeons. And John, we read there is also the selling of oxen and sheep going on there. So it was 
quite the, evidently it's quite the scene. He tosses him out and he says, my house shall be called, my father's house shall be called the house of prayer. You've made it a den of robbers. Finishes the day, goes back to Bethany. Next day he comes out and there's the fig tree. They pass the fig tree and the disciples are amazed. They say, Master, look, the fig tree is dried up. It's withered. It's dried up from the roots up, actually. Most trees will go the other way around, but this one is dried up from the... It's finished. Okay, we'll touch on some of this a little later as well. And then he tells... He says, okay, you know, have faith in God. Say to this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea. It'll happen. If you have faith in God. And then he talks as well about prayer. He says, and if you pray, when you pray, forgive. And we see this, this happening. And that's a lesson from the fig tree. Again, we'll be coming back to that uh, at the end of us when we talk about the communion. Finally, Chapter uh, 1127, it reads as follows. And they came again to Jerusalem. And as he was walking in the temple, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders came to him. And they said to him, by what authority do you do these things? Or, Who gave you this authority? And Jesus said to them, he didn't answer them. He said, I'll ask you a question too. Answer me, this one. And I'll tell you by what authority I do these things. The question was, was the baptism of John from heaven or from men? Answer me. And they discussed it with one another, saying, if we say from heaven, he will say, why then did you believe him? But if we say from men, they were afraid of the people, for they all held that John really was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we don't know. We can't tell you. Jesus said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Now, today we're going to look at the conflict of authority. You say, well, there isn't much uh, going on. There is there. Two questions. Neither one was answered. You know, where do we go from there? By what authority do you do these things? What things were they talking about? Cleansing of the temple, right? He said, why did you do that? Don't you realize the fact that we are the leaders here? We are the authority in the temple. And you've come in and you've sort of done away with it, right? That's not, if they knew the game, cricket, they would say, that's not cricket. That's not the way to do things. Uh, you, you know, we are, we are authority here. You stay out of our, 
out of our temple. And don't do this, you know, we've got a nice setup going here. So they, you know what, what that was, by the way? Here, they said, hey, you know, we, we don't like some of the things that, you know, we get in the, from the offering and so on, how, what God basically had set up for the priests to live on. For, and they said, we don't like that. We can do better than that. So they said, no, maybe we shouldn't change the money. Right? Outside of the temple, Rome ruled. And Roman money was there. Inside the temple, they say, hey, we should have our own money system. So they set up a money system. And you say, well, that's great. How are they going to, you know, what, what are people going to use? Well, the people that came into the temple and had to buy things because they bought and sold. They say, hey, we'll put all the... Uh, sacrificial animals, so we'll put them all inside the temple and people can buy them there. And so, and they need money. But we'll only accept temple money. Right? And since we'll only accept temple money, we need people that will exchange that. So we'll take the Roman money, you come to the money changers table, and you exchange it for temple money. And then, you can use the temple money to buy stuff that we have provided for you, right? The offerings that we have provided, whether they be pigeons, sheep, or oxen, you can do that. Now, the only problem was, uh, evidently, you could buy a pigeon outside for one pence, right? With temple money, you, you could buy it inside for five pence, it's not a bad thing. And they knew it. They had a good thing going for them. They were making money at that. And they were totally, you know, we say, hey, that's terrible. They're ripping, they're ripping the people off that are coming. And what do you think the people thought? They thought they were ripping us off. Exactly. And what did that do to their worship? Nothing. They didn't even want to come to the temple anymore, but they, you know, they did because three times a year, all the men of Israel were, were commanded to come to three feasts. The Feast of the Passover, the Feast of Weeks, or Pentecost, and the Feast of Atonement in the fall. And each one they were supposed to come to three times a year. All the men of Israel, whether they lived in Galilee or lived just outside of Jerusalem in Bethany, they all were supposed to come to Jerusalem to observe these feasts. And part of them, a lot of times, they would come and say, okay, we want to make a sacrifice. And, of course, when you live in Galilee, or Galilee, you're not going to haul an ox along or whatever. And so they bought their offerings there. Most of the people at the time were very poor, so that's why pigeons were a staple. 
and they would buy the pigeon in Jerusalem, bring it to the gate where the priest would examine the pigeon and say, I'm sorry, that animal, is, that bird is not good enough, you know? So, what am I going to do? Well, just leave it here and pick one up inside, right? Pay one pence there, five pence inside. And that's why the people were very perturbed over that. Now, that's what authority does. They thought they had authority, right? The question to Jesus was, what you, by what authority do you do these things? It was because they didn't know Jesus. Right? What did they think Jesus was? Right? Did you read the Bible and you find out that some of them thought that, oh, even in John they said, oh, he's an illegitimate child. You know, he's born of fornication, they say. So, you know, we can't follow him. He is the son of Mary, Joseph and Mary, they said, in Galilee. And we know his mom and dad, so, you know, he's just ordinary like the rest of us. Or, ah, he's a Samaritan, and he has a devil. Oh, you know, he has no authority. Their concept of Jesus was totally awry. So what did, you know, what did Jesus, who was Jesus? Where did he get his authority? And if we read the Bible, we find out in John chapter 5, It says, truly, truly, I say to you, the Son, Jesus, can do nothing of his own account, but only what he sees the Father doing, for whatever the Father does, the Son does. Well, you're not surprised at all, because those of you who read the scriptures will find in John as well that Jesus said to to one of the, uh, Thomas, by the way, he said, uh, you know, he, Thomas said, show us the Father, and it will su- suffice us. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. I and the Father are one. So what does that tell you about Authority. God, the creator of everything, has authority over everything, right? Everything. Where do you get the authority to do this, Jesus? Hey, I and the Father are one. Right? John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, And the word was God. 
All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So we see the Jesus, the creator, God, with all authority. Where did the Pharisees or the, the scribes and the priests get their authority? From Moses actually gave him the authority initially. He chose the tribe of Levi. God chose the tribe of Levi to, to, to work in the temple and provide the services to the people. And they, in fact, the whole tribe of Judah was taken to do that type of work. And we find in when the temple, Solomon dedicated the temple, he took the tribe of Levi, and we found out that there was 38,000 people that he set aside to do a particular task. So they were, they, and they had the authority to do that but they corrupted the authority. Yes, God gave us authority, but we want our own way. And we don't care what happens. You know, what we see, it's, it's very interesting to note that Mark is pretty quiet on this. He's, that's what he says. Now, Mark was written by John Mark, who was servant to Barnabas and Saul when they, Paul when they went out on their mission journey initially. And he writes it from the point of view of a servant. He sees the Lord Jesus. He presents the Lord Jesus Christ as a servant. Now, and that's the only, by the way, that's the only gospel that hasn't got a genealogy in it. All the other gospels have a genealogy in it, right? Matthew, written by a Jewish person, he writes about the coming king, the kingdom of David. And he goes back to Abraham, okay? This is God's people. God's chosen the people. And he's going to bring those people as his, as his very own, as a testimony to the rest of the world. It's in 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 60, he says this, and Solomon says this. Now Solomon, when the temple was finished, he dedicated the temple, and he says, okay, it stands here, that all the people of the earth may know that the Lord is God. There is no other. So what was it that, why did God choose the Israelites to show the rest of the world what a people looks like that follows God? And hopefully, when they see that, they will be attracted to that and they join that people, right? Did the priests know that? The elders and the scribes, did they know that? 
Ah, they knew the scripture. Pretty good. They were aware of that. They knew that. But, unfortunately, it says in Matthew, or Matthew and Luke both uh, went beyond what Mark says. Mark says, okay, I'm a servant. I'm going to do it. But Matthew and Luke, where Jesus is betrayed as the second Adam, son of man, the son of God, and we see them berating the deal, the uh, Pharisees. And they, they say this. Now, let me read a couple of those to you, just in case you. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, for you neither enter yourselves in there nor allow those who go in, uh, enter to go in. Woe to you, scribes and furries, hypocrites, for you travel across sea and land to make one single proselyte. But when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much the child of hell as you are. Woe. And he goes through seven woes to the... He berates them. He says, you have done Wrong, you've got the, you think you are the authority, you're not. God is the authority. How about us? Who's our authority? Well, what does Hebrews say? Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith. He's not the initiator of our faith, Jesus, the author, and he'll finish our faith. And that'll happen when we go to glory. He'll finish our faith. We'll see. For we shall see him as he is, the Bible says. Jesus, our authority. That's authority. Now, okay, like I said, it doesn't, uh, the question, by what authority do these things, and the uh, resulting question from the Lord Jesus Christ to the Pharisees, you know, the, what do you think of John's, bapti- or John's baptism? Is it from heaven or man? Well, everybody there, like I said, you know, they knew more about John the Baptist than they knew about Jesus in those days. And they talked about him, and they thought, everybody thought he was a prophet. And he came for that. Right? And so we see that the authority question could not be answered. But there is a conflict. We all have that conflict. Who do we listen to? Right? Who whispers in your ear, you should do this? Ah, it's all right. You say, we go under the authority of our Lord. 
I guess we should say what, uh, what the little kid says, right? Johnny, you know, when I tell Johnny, Johnny, you shouldn't be doing that, right? And Johnny turns around and says, well, you're not the boss of me, right? Said, listen to the boss. Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. Now, we're going to have a communion service here shortly. But I want to take this opportunity to answer some of those questions. By what authority do you do these things? Scribes and Pharisees. Okay, where were you? Do you know what this says? If you ask them a question, if they knew what the Bible said, their Old Testament, they would say, of course. Right? They were all, they all knew the Old Testament. But, did they listen to it? Take a look at chapter 9 of Zechariah. Remember, the first thing we said about this chapter was the triumphal entry. What happened during the triumphal entry? Right? And they said, Hosanna in the highest. You know, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom, is the coming of the, our, the kingdom of our King David. Were the Pharisees there? The scribes? priests, they were there. Did they hear it? They heard it. And that should have tweaked something right in their head. Listen. Hey, there's somebody coming in a donkey. Right? In fact, a very young donkey. That's just an amazing thing to me is that the fact that uh, Jesus says, get this donkey that's never been ridden. And uh, those of you who've been on farms and so on know that if you jump on a, a colt that's never been ridden, you won't stay on very long, probably. But uh, he wrote on it. Listen to Zechariah 9 and 9. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. 300 years before Christ, this was written. Isn't that amazing? Did they know it? Did the authorities know that? Yes, they knew that. Did they equate that with Jesus? No, they didn't. No, they still said, yeah, you know, let's do away with them. He's going to ruin our position and so on. And our authority that we have. Very soon after that, they would lose that anyway. Next thing we know is, in that chapter, is the cursing of the fig tree. Remember the fig tree? I looked at it and it says, fig tree, fig tree. There's something in the Old Testament about the 
Israelites being called good or bad figs. And even a mention of a fig tree in there. So Israel was equated with a fig tree. And it's later on in chapter 24 of Matthew, it says, yes, when you see the fig tree, Israel budding again, then you'll know that the end is near. So what does that mean? Budding of the, uh, the fig tree. He cursed it. You know what? Two days later, Jesus would be crucified. And what happened? When he died, the, te- the curtain of the temple was split. Now, that was a very high curtain, split from the top to the bottom, and the Holy of Holies was revealed. And God said, by doing that, I'm finished with my people, Israel. They have not been able to carry out their mandate of presenting me to the world, right? That all the world may know that the Lord is God. They haven't shown that. So he said, I'm done. Then that thing is explained and God, you know, he says, wow, that's done. No, well, it's not such so great. If you've got faith, you can say to this mountain, be, be removed and be cast into the sea. That's, you know, you can do that if you have faith. Right? How did we come to Christ? Through faith. Right? We need faith to come to Christ. And not only that, he said also when you pray, hopefully you prayed when you accepted Christ, right? Forgive. It says forgive. Because Christ has forgiven us. And we can see what it says in Ephesians. It says, for by grace are you saved through faith. That is the new covenant. The old covenant was going to be finished in a, few, in a little while. The new covenant is coming, Christ said. That's what it's based on, faith. Now you believe. Now you follow. Your authority now comes from the author and the finisher of your faith, who is Christ Jesus. And he is the authority. And that's why we remember when we look at, when we partake of the communion. It says, this is the new covenant in my blood, he says. This do as often as you uh, partake of it. The new covenant. The old covenant is past. The rulers said, the rulers of the Jews and the temple said, we will not have this man reign over us. God did away with the old covenant and instituted the new covenant. You've been listening to Mountain View Church Audio. 
God has used this message to impact your life today, I'd love to hear about it. Drop me a message at jeremy at mountviewwhitehorse.ca or on your favorite social network at Pastor Jeremy Norton. To get connected with Mountain View Church or to support Mountain View Ministries through a financial gift, please visit mountainviewwhitehorse.ca. That's Mountain View Whitehorse. 